You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 205 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. Welcome back. It's great to hear your voice again. I've <laughs> missed you now that you've been gallivanting the globe. How you going? I have. I missed you too. It was um, yeah, it was weird not having our regular chats, but yes, mm. it's great to be back. It's 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 um, you know, you're away. You're having a really good time. You're seeing lots of of amazing things, and then at some point, you want your own bed and you want to do some laundry. Yeah, you know. were you doing washing undies in the sink at hotels or stuff well, like that or just buying I new went- ones? <laughs> Fortunately, I did stay with my friend Margarita, who you've met, mm-hmm. I, and the yes. first thing I did was do a load there. But you know, sometimes, and she's she's such a great host, um, and and it's awesome being able to stay at someone at someone's house. And I wish I could have stayed in New York, certainly for longer. Uh, but yeah, it was time to come home. It oh, looks like you're but, loving it, though, loving it, absolutely loving it. Now. The thing, the reason I went to New York is that I'm completely obsessed, completely obsessed with Hamilton the musical. Really? Valerie? I didn't know that about you. (laughs) (laughs) And so I... I went, fortunately. I, I, I got tickets. Well, I got a ticket and I went and it was all my dreams come true. And then it was just so fantastic. It made my year, I think. And then the night before I was due to fly out, so I was flying out on a Saturday and um, on the Friday I got a message from my cousin who lives in London and she said that she had organised for me to go backstage at Hamilton in New York the following day after the matinee. At which point I had to reply, oh, my God, I'm going to be on a plane then. You wouldn't have cancelled the flight, Val. I mean. I would have cancelled the flight except I had a commitment in Brisbane that I was only just, I had to fly back to Sydney, get on a plane, fly to Brisbane, that I was only just making and they delayed their, they delayed that event for a week for me because yeah. it was meant to be the week before. Um, so I couldn't cat I couldn't change it. Did you tell them when you were on stage going, I <laughs> missed out on meeting the cast of Hamilton to be here? I hope you appreciate this. Because <laughs> no, I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh bummer. I know. I was I was like I just could not believe my eyes when the message came through and that I had to type that answer. Oh, mm. so I'll be in New York. Uh, can your <laughs> cousin hook me up? <laughs> quite possibly, quite possibly. <laughs> but wow. you should go see Hamilton, that's for sure. It's amazing. 
you know, musicals, Val, not my thing. I'll go with you. What did we go to see? The Book of Mormon, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that was fun. But, you know, I'd go, but it's like I'm not going to go out of my way. There's many other things that I would do ahead of a musical. I'm very happy that you loved it so much. I went to see three musicals and one (sighs) stage play. Wow, you're busy. And then a million different art galleries. So when is, uh, what's your show at the Guggenheim? Or did you line anything (laughs) up while you were there? Did you get an agent? How many shows have you got lined up? (laughs) I haven't got any shows lined up, but you never know one day. (laughs) (laughs) No. Were you inspired with all the art shows that you saw? Absolutely. I learned so much. It was absolutely fantastic. I went to see heaps of galleries in Toronto when I was there and galleries in New York. And um, uh, obviously I went to the famous ones like, you know, the Art Gallery of Ontario and and MoMA and stuff like that in New York. But I also made sure I went to see a lot of the smaller ones as well and the up-and-coming ones just to see what was happening and all of the trends. And I went to a bunch of photography exhibitions as well. Yeah. you know, I went to a Bill Cunningham exhibition, so that oh, was really interesting, and a bunch of other ones that were really, really cool. So it was, um, it was great. I was just overwhelmed with arts and culture. I think. Well, I have to say the highlight of your trip for me, Valerie, yes. was <laughs> the shot, that, and I was actually jealous. The shot that you posted, where you're in a helicopter over <gasps> Niagara Falls amazing because I hadn't actually seen that view. It was incredible. Oh, that was gobsmacking. It was was such a privilege to be able to go up in a helicopter over Niagara Falls and then to see it from that perspective gives you an entirely different appreciation of Niagara Falls. It's Yeah, it was really, really fun. I took lots of photos (laughs) of the helicopter. Of falling out. Did it have doors or was it one of those ones? No, that one had doors. But the oh, okay. one in Hawaii that I went to had no doors. And, you, yeah, you're not afraid. You're afraid for like one second and then you're not afraid. And that was well, just an, an iPhone pic that you took? I can't remember, actually. You're no, not afraid um, of dropping your phone? over. This is all the things that I think of when I'm No, so when, when it's doors, it doesn't matter. You're not going to drop your phone. But when there's no doors, they make you put your iPhone in a plastic sort of thing that you hang around your neck. Oh, like children. Yeah, yeah. And you don't get sicky, sicky in the chopper. No, do you? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay. No, yeah. it was really fun. I, I, yeah, I loved it, and it was so amazing to see oh. Niagara Falls that way. Yeah, so cool. Well, there you yeah. go. Jet set a Valerie Koo. Yeah, well, it was, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. Um, but uh, what's been happening with you? Oh, my God, it's been so much going on. I've been shooting and shooting and shooting and uh, doing all sorts of stuff. And uh, today we just uh, did the Mastermind, which was really cool. We did a deep dive into pricing. And so I just went through all the different ways that I price my photos and all the different uh, pricing um 
uh, models that you can adopt and the pros and cons. It was really everyone got really into it, and so that was fun. And we did a deep dive into headshots, so that's uh, always loved that. And uh, yeah, just been working hard, Val. Working Sounds hard. Sounds like it. So yeah. the mastermind you did today was with the Gold Community, and of mm. course, if you're interested in the Gold Community, make sure you find out more. Here's some information on it. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production, you get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, so uh, we want to give a big shout-out to Emily Bullen, who kindly left us a review on iTunes. Now, Emily has said, I was looking for a photography podcast and my search returned so many. For some reason, I decided to pick this one first. Must have been the charming photo of Gina. I'm so glad I chose this as I now don't need to listen to anything else. I can't begin to explain how far my photography has come since listening to this. Oh, wow. How cool. Isn't that awesome? That's so nice. Thank you, Thank Emily. Thank you, Emily. That's, that's brilliant. Really appreciate it. And, of course, if anyone else has 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, that would be so awesome because it really does help us in the rankings. Now, um, we're going to move on to this week's topic, which I think is really cool. It is how to master autofocus on DSLR and mirrorless cameras. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you come up with this topic? Why do you think this is, a, this, is an, this is an important one, Gina? It's important because I think it's the one thing that all photographers struggle with. Now, you'd think that once you got the hang of focus – it's caught stays with you, but um, mm. it's it's not the case, and it can really uh, bamboozle photographers. Uh, you, you see it a lot in the uh, early. Uh, people who are just starting out sort of getting the hang of focus and cameras can be confusing to use. And also even after you've been shooting for years and years and years, you can still get it wrong. So I think Mm. uh, going with my 
information is a power approach to life. Yeah. I think that get, I, I really wanted to do, I know we've done episodes on how to get sh- uh, sharp focus, but we've sort of touched on all the reasons why your images might be out of focus and sort of only done a little bit on the actual autofocus system itself. And I re- wanted to do a, a really a deep dive into understanding how the autofocus works and how to make the most of it so that instead of, like I see a lot of photographers and my assistants also tell me this, um, that like they'll, they'll be working with photographers and who have been pros for a long time who are still only getting maybe a 70% or a 60% strike rate. And that's a lot of photos to uh, throw out, especially when it's crucial that you nail the focus. And I know that you see a lot of photographers struggling with this and uh so yeah, i think you do it's because really- <laughs> i i think that the, the mere fact that it's called autofocus mm. kind of gives you this false sense of it's gonna focus automatically because that's what it says right but uh that's not true at all and as you often point out on my photos they're often not in focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Even not enough. I to, <laughs> it's not enough to just hand over a camera. And I, you know, I've been in like you don't see many selfies of me, and you don't see many photos of me. So it's a it, an opportunity where I go, oh, this might be worth taking a photo, and I'll hand off my camera to someone, and they'll take <laughs> some shots, and they'll give it back to me, and I'll go, it's not sharp. <laughs> And that someone is me. It's not just you, Val. It's happened (laughs) all the time. And so, and and it comes down to, yeah, we put all this trust into a machine and hope that it'll work. But this machine, the camera, has been designed to work in certain optimum situations. And if you throw some different sort of, um, lighting in there or backlighting or all sorts of things, it doesn't focus as well. But at the end of this show, guys, I think you're going to have a much better understanding. I'm not going to go super technical because (laughs) I can't, (laughs) but I'm going to explain it uh, as best I can so that when you're you're then shooting using the autofocus, you're going to know what your camera is doing to focus that shot. And once you know what it's doing, you can really make the most of it. And hopefully after this episode, you should be able to have a much higher strike rate because nothing's worse than a photographer than thinking you've nailed the shot and it's just out or out by by a mile. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, I can tell that this is the kind of episode that is going to be listened to again and again. It's going to be really valuable. I can already tell that. So where do we start, Gina? All right. So I've talked about, so, so, you know, we, we don't, you don't, need to know uh, the technical side. You don't need to know how to build your own autofocus system uh, or all the complicated mathematical formulas that they use to understand the mechanics of how it works. Um, But if you understand the limitations, it's going to make a huge difference. So before we start, I want to talk about... um, So there is a, a few ways that you can focus your shot. So 
The first way is th- there's something called manual focus foul, where you do it yourself. Yes. <laughs> really? So yes, the old-fashioned way. It's the old-fashioned way. And so before which is what focus, we Which is what we used to do, you know, exactly. in, in our earliest cameras. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's important to know this because the whole autofocus system was based on the manual focus uh, system. So they actually applied that to the uh, autofocus. And so when you understand how a camera sees when it's focusing and what is happening, you kind of get an understanding of, oh, oh, right, so this is what's going on. And so, oh, no wonder if I point my camera at a blue sky, it it's going to struggle because it's got nothing to lock onto. So you've got manual yeah. focus. Then you have autofocus where you put your finger on the shutter release, you half press, and you'll it'll it'll focus for you, and then you shoot. That is the default setting. When you pull your camera out of the box, uh, that's the default setting. Push the shutter halfway down, it'll focus. Push yeah. all the way down, it'll take the yeah. shot right? Then uh, back in the 80s, I think it was, uh, at some stage, Canon invented uh, a new, an extra little button called back button focus. And basically uh, what that is, is instead of pressing the shutter halfway down to focus, what they did is they decided, hey, wouldn't it be clever? I don't think they speak like that, do they? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. wouldn't it be clever if we took the uh, button that focuses the the image from the shutter and put it on the back somewhere so that you could uh, ex- expose with the, expose the shot so it takes a light reading with the shutter button and then you focus with a back button. So this is great for if you're f- photographing moving subjects or sport or say you want to focus on someone that's in a crowd Okay, you've got a person smack dab in the crowd, you lock on your focus and you've got that back button, you've said that's where I want you to focus, lock it on there and then you can have people walking in front of that person and it's not ever, the the camera's not going to want to track everything that moves in front of the screen, it's just going to stay on that point. So that's where back button focus comes in very handy and then you've got Live view, which has uh, also come around in the last little while, where you can have your camera on a on live, so you you you're seeing um, everything on the back of the screen as you're seeing it, and and you can uh, enlarge the image on on the on the back of the screen yep. uh, that you see, and uh, you can zoom right in. Uh, on, onto the screen and, and you can fine-tune your focus using live view, all right? So that's yep. just another way. Now, uh, so the last three were all using the autofocus. The first one is using the manual focus. So they're the different ways and, and everyone has their preferences and, you know, there's people who swear by back button. There's people that say, ah, the only way to do it is to do it manually and then there's people like me that say autofocus all the way, baby. So let's... <laughs> Let's uh, talk about what happens and how that system was developed. And it sounds very geeky, but it's really important. And once you know this, you go, ah, oh, it all makes sense now. So, you mean how the, how, how how the autofocus, autofocus system works? Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. basically uh, when we're talking about DSLR cameras, okay, they, the way that they focus is using a system called phase 
detection, not face, phase, B-H-A-S-E, right? Phase detection. And if you look back to old school cameras before autofocus was invented, what you, do you remember Val, when you had the, uh, the older model camera, not, not, Mm. not a digital one and and Mm. not with autofocus, what would happen is when you were focusing manually, you'd look through the screen and there's an image in the, I've got images in the show notes to support this episode because it just helps helps you get an idea of what's going on. So if you want to check those out, it's ginamilitia.com. And remember the old school cameras, when you were focusing, you'd see like a a bright disc in the middle of the viewfinder when you look through the viewfinder. And when the image was out of focus, you'd have two semicircles that were out of whack. And what you would do is you would turn the ring on the lens the focus ring until those two images lined up right the top and the bottom. And that's how you knew your uh, image was in focus. So it was like splits, remember the split screen. And so I do, I I actually remember before that. What was that? (laughs) My dad had a, um, was it a Minolta or I can't remember what brand it was, but um, it wasn't a Canon or a Nikon. And uh, it was more like when you go to the optometrist and you see a a ship or a tree, and it's like double vision, and and you the optometrist makes it until they overlap, and then you, all right, and and then they're one. So his yep. was like that, and then I remember moving on to a Nikon where it was exactly what you've described. There were kind of two. It was like a circle that um, had to come and meet in the middle, and I remember being just not being able to do it. Because <laughs> I'd been so used to his camera, I couldn't right. actually change to the new Nikon way. But anyway, yeah. but yes, I do remember exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so you've got two semicircles and you're moving the focus ring back and forth until the top and the bottom of the images yep. are lined up and you knew your image was in focus. And this is all fantastic, but where this was um, uh, problematic was if Let's say, so it works on a horizontal line. So that the mm. top, uh, if you've got your camera uh, set at a horizontal, you're taking a horizontal image. And let's say you're taking a photo of the uh, uh, sky and yep. water, okay? Yep. And you're trying to line up the top and the bottom and get it in focus. It's very hard to do in that situation because your horizontal line um what 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 are you using to line up? It's hard to say. Well, is this in focus or not? Because there's no point of reference. You, you it's not like you had a tree in the middle that you could sort of match up. And so that's where it it kind of fell over that system. But what people would do to as a workaround is they just turn their camera to a vertical uh, format, right. and then they could then they could line up the images. And I've got examples of how that works in the show notes as well. So it's much, much easier to line up the verticals in the image and match those up and get your sharp image. So you've got one access. That's the, uh, that's the old school uh, way of focusing. So using that phase detection. So when they invented uh, autofocus and it, it, using uh, the the newer cameras, they used this system to to uh, focus the cameras. And so, what happens is uh, the, the 
you had the earliest uh, DSLRs had lots of little um, points. There would always be one in the middle, right? And that was the sharpest point using this system where the the camera would divide up the top and bottom image digitally, and then it would match them up. And where the horizontal lines uh, looked sharp, it'd say you're in focus and it would take the photo for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's, um, that's what would happen. So nowadays when you look through the viewfinder of your, say, your DSLR or mirrorless, you'll yeah. notice that there's a centre point, all right, and that's the default, that when you pull your camera out of the box, it is set to focus on the point smack dab in the middle of the frame. So if you've got yep. something outside of that middle point, uh, it's not going to focus on that. It's going to focus on whatever is um, covering that spot that's in the middle, okay? But then yep. if you notice, you've got all these other little black boxes around that. So they're the focus points on a camera. So they're the autofocus points. And we know from previous shows, and we've talked about this a lot, that you can actually select which point you want your camera to focus on, all right? Yeah. And the number of focus points you're going to have will depend on the type of camera that you have. Now, if you've got mm -hmm. a mirrorless like the Sony Alpha 6300 has lots, it'll have 425 AF points. So if you've got that that camera, you can have a look at You'll be lining up an image and you can select to move around to whatever one of those 425 points and maybe you've got a, a photo of uh, one lone person on a huge uh, landscape, empty landscape, there's only one person and he's off way off to the left of frame, you can then uh, choose to move that focus point all the way over to over that person and focus on him, right? And the right. camera will lock onto that point and your person will be in focus. Something like the Canon 1DX, which is the top of the line, 1DX Mark II, which is the top of the line Canon, that's got 61 autofocus points spread over the frame so you can do the same. Uh, the Nikon D5 has 153. So um, the more autofocus points you have spread over your frame, the kind of the easier it is to compose and focus an image depending on where your person is. The problem so, is when the cameras are built, uh, when mm -hmm. Hans designs the cameras. Good old Hans, yep. Good old Hans, it costs money to put those AF points in. So the more AF points you have, the more expensive your camera is going to be. So kind what you'll find, sense. yeah, is a entry-level camera might only have like your middle focus point, smack dab in the middle, and then maybe five, six, seven uh, sort of around it in a small area still clustered around the middle. So you're kind of stuffed if you've got that person all the way over to the left. So you had to kind of work out ways uh, to what, how do you focus on that person. And often what happens is uh, beginners that are starting out who have uh, sort of a, a more entry-level camera, they'll either manual focus or they mm. always have their person smack dab in the middle in of the, the middle. frame. Okay. Yep. So when you're buying a camera, it, it – 
like one of the things that the people say, well, you know, how many megapixels is it? And you'll see that the uh, the salesman's always going, well, do you know this has got 4,200, you know, focus points? <laughs> okay. Okay, and we give you uh, what, paint protection and uh, free free mats and tire protectors, right? When you buy the camera, <laughs> okay. Um, and a set of steak knives. And you get steak knives. And I once argued when I bought a car, I wouldn't buy it until they gave me the stuffed toy uh, mascot of the car that was on the um, on the car dealer's desk. And he's Are like, you serious? He's like, that's mine. It's not included in the deal. I'm not. I'm not buying the car until I get the stuffed toy. Oh my like, God! Why? Why did you want the like, stuffed toy? I just wanted to win, Val. You oh, should understand God. that. <laughs> because he said okay. something really offensive at the start of the negotiation that I just said, oh let me just sort you right out now. So it's like it came down to that and <laughs> I walked out with a stuffed toy. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, we digress. We digress. Anyway. Okay, so you – So you're the, saying it's the, not what, just about how many focus points that the salesman is trying to tell you the okay, camera has. Okay, so they can tell you focus points, but here's the thing. Not yep. all focus points – are created equal. So okay. let's go back to what I talked about earlier. Remember the old school way of focusing where you had the two yep. split screens uh, focusing across a horizontal plane, okay? And yes, what would do yes. is the top part and the bottom part, line it up and we could get it, you know, in focus. That's mm-hmm the normal kind of AF point. And that's what most cameras have as their, uh, when they've got, you know, lots and lots and lots of different points, there will be different kinds of focus points. So there'll be a normal point. In the uh, entry level cameras, the focus point in the middle is a different kind of focus point, and that's why generally uh, on most cameras the focus point in the middle is going to be the sharpest because it's a cross point. So basically, what it imagine you've got the horizontal focus plane. What it also adds to that is this: it, it flips it on its side as well, and it focuses vertically. So there's two points of focus, which means it's very hard to miss the focus when you've got this sort of focus point. It's like the normal focus point on steroids. So it'll look for a horizontal uh, point uh, to line up and it'll also look for a vertical point line up, hence the name cross focus. Very clever. So all all cameras will have definitely as a default, the middle one um, is a cross point. So that's why uh, when you're starting out, it's a good idea just when you're getting the hang of the camera and how to use it or it's a crucial portrait that you want to get, make sure that that center point is the one that you're using to focus as you're starting out and you're going to find that you get all your shots in focus because it's got two different ways of locking on horizontally and vertically and it'll always be able to find uh, a good point of focus. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yes, definitely. Okay, so I did got... not even consider that before, so yeah, so, oh, that's great. So mm-hmm. here you are, you've got these normal points of focus, which are usually the oh. outer ones, and they're only going to look for a horizontal point. They're not going to be as strong. They're not going to be able to lock on as well as 
the cross focus points. So, and then just to get even better, some cameras also took the technology of cross focus points and made dual cross. So it's doubled up. They put another cross in the middle. So you've got all these different um, access points that it'll focus on. So the the uh, dual focus points is like the cross focus point on steroids, Val. So right. they're even better. So what you have is a good idea is when you um, get your camera, you follow a protocol protocol called the RTM protocol. Have you heard of that? No. You n- never heard of the RTM? No. It's the read the manual. Read <laughs> the manual. Okay. And so what happens is – uh, okay. It will tell you what kind of, uh, or <laughs> Google it, your, enter yeah. your particular camera, what kind of focus points it has and where they are. And so what I've done with my all my cameras is I set them up and you, as a default, it'll be like the focus point in the middle. You can then change it to move the focus points around, but you can tell your camera that I only want you to focus with the cross type sensors and I want you to ignore the normal ones because they're not, they're not going to be as sharp. So if it's a crucial shot, I want to make sure that whenever I'm moving my focus points around, you're giving me all the really good ones. I want to use either dual cross type or cross type because I know I'm never going to miss focus. Whereas the normal ones always hit and miss. No, no. You always want the well the good type. <laughs> until I found out about these cross type sensors, I I thought that all the sensors were the same. It, you know, no matter where I put my uh, focus point, as long as I moved it around onto one of those, you know, sixty three or seventy three points, yeah. it would be sharp. But then. From trial and error, I'd go, how come when I use this point or this point or this point, I'm not getting it like it it locks on, but it's never Mm. as crisp as when I would use the other point. And then I did some research and I'm like, that's why. It's the stick to the cross type sensors and, Mm. you know, you – then it, it reduces the number of like and they and, and kind of like they're near misses. It focuses but never focuses as well as when you mm. use the cross type sensor. So you can change. So you've got a choice. If you say use all the all the focus points, you're it's obviously going to give you a wider variety of points. So you can, it'll spread out uh, across the the um the frame a lot more. But if you narrow it down to only select the cross type sensors you get fewer points but you know you're going to nail your focus it's not going to have uh the issues that it it did when you allowed it to focus using just the normal type okay fascinating so all right do the rtm approach the read the manual approach and make sure you select either the cross type or the dual type and don't just settle for normal Great. Yeah. Okay. So now when it comes to mirrorless cameras, yes. uh, the mirrorless camera technology is a little bit different. And so they use mirrorless cam- cameras use a combination of this cross type phase detection, but they also use something called 
contrast detection. So they definitely all use the contrast detection and then some use both. So uh, focusing on a mirrorless camera is done on the actual image sensor. So contrast detection sounds exactly like what you talked about the way you learnt to focus, Val. So I think Mm -hmm. you might uh, maybe enjoy using a mirrorless camera, not that you get to see this, but what contrast uh, detection autofocus does is it, it measures the contrast uh, within the sensor field through the lens. So basically what the camera does is it um, it'll hunt for the focus. Uh, so it'll it'll look at the image and it'll say, okay, so Dave, thank you. You want to focus right there. Now we're going to go to that image and we look at the photo and we focus just in front of it. We focus on it till we're locked on, but then we focus beyond that spot and then it does all these uh, mathematical calculations. This is in that moment that you press the frame, <laughs> press the shutter button, yes. and it does these calculations <laughs> and so it goes, and you can actually see it happening when you're, when you're focusing your mirrorless. It goes before actually on and then it goes beyond and then it goes back to the spot yes and and so this is one of the this hunting that'll do for every shot is one of the things that that frustrates many people when they they first start using mirrorless uh this is one of the reasons i I, that lag annoys me but it's getting better and better and better and it, 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 it won't matter soon enough but that's what happens so it's using this contrast detection. So um, at the time of recording this podcast, Val, Mm -hmm. uh, DSLRs are a little bit faster for uh, and a little bit slightly better uh, for focusing fast-moving subjects like sport and wildlife than than mirrorless. But it's changing really quickly. So, you know, okay. we could release this podcast and someone brings out this, oh, my God, it's so it's so good, you know. Mm. Um, and then you've got uh, cameras like the Sony A7R three, which has got something very clever, which I'm sure all the other um, camera manufacturers will adopt at some, in, at some point, is it has mm. eye and face detection. So you can tell it, like, follow this face around and you can tell it which face and it'll follow that. Yeah around which is uh, amazing you know and very handy especially uh, so cool yeah so cool so um yeah so if you're tracking somebody through a crowd you can pick that particular person exactly so um the other thing like but but for shooting uh sport and fast moving uh subjects that sort of uh that that um having to find the focus move back and out it's a little bit annoying and so currently like your dslrs are just a little bit ahead so and another thing like with the mirrorless that they're, they're not fantastic at still is like if you're zooming in while you're shooting moving objects on a mirrorless it's uh not as good not not going to be as sharp so but but if you can avoid doing stuff like that when you're shooting sport, you're going to get a uh, a better shot overall. Okay. Cool. 
Yep, great. So that's how they both work. Let's just jump into some a few tips on general tips okay. to improve the photo focus of your camera. So there is a couple of uh, autofocus cucker zones, Val. All right. <laughs> and, of course, so- if you don't know, listeners, what a cucker zone is, Gina's about to tell us. What's a cucker? <laughs> So kaka is like uh, like a, a, not a good situation, not ideal, <laughs> right? <laughs> so the, the, so when you understand how that like using uh, contrast detection and using the phase detection, so looking for uh, sharp contrast or horizontal lines that they can line up. If you are in situations, uh, there's certain situations where the autofocus just cannot cope and it just runs home screaming for its mummy it's like oh i can't do it (laughs) and these are like do this like take your camera out and try and get a focus on the sky when there's no clouds it's got yes to lock on low contrast that's why so now that you know it's trying to find a horizontal vertical it's going oh just just goes to infinity it just goes to yeah so it can't and the Mm. other thing is like high contrast it, it it'll it'll just go oh well, what do i do here this is really hard and backlighting mm. as well confuses mm. the autofocus so there's a few hacks or workarounds that you can use uh in situations like that so uh worst case scenario flip to manual focus and use the things just a bit either side yeah. of the <laughs> look through and uh you know uh focus with your eyes there's a great little adapter on most cameras that you can um change the uh the, the the diopter on your camera so to, to whatever your eye strength is so if you uh, uh, wear yeah. glasses and are not wearing your glasses when you shoot you can increase the strength uh, you can actually have them matched to whatever your prescription is and How this cool is something is that, that sits right? just under the eye cap and often people knock it by accident so that they mm. think that and they've you know zoomed it right up so that you're looking through and it's like plus three and you're going I can't see anything and you're wondering what's wrong with your eyes, it might be that. So it's usually located just under the eye cap. So uh, check that. the other thing you can do is if you're in a very low contrast situation, remembering that the camera works on contrast to find a lock-on in a subject. So if you're shooting in low light, it might be uh, nighttime and you want to shoot a portrait and it's doing that searching, little hacks mm. like you could have a torch in your bag that you momentarily shine on your model, get lock on your focus and then take the torch away and take your shot. Okay, or you can ask someone or your model to just hold an iPhone screen that's on so that it's nice and bright in front of their face and you get a focus on the screen. Very easy to lock on very quickly. So they're very handy tips that you can use if you're in like a low contrast situation. If it's a heavily backlit situation, and we did this uh, last year, Val, on one of our shoots where we used a boogie board (laughs) as a a cutter. So um, the the camera will struggle if there is a lot of light flooding um, from behind the model or or whatever it is that you're photographing and it'll get really confused so what you can do momentarily is just get someone to hold a uh, you can use the black part of a reflector 
behind the face and that blocks out all that light that's flooding the screen get a get a lock on get a focus and then remove the reflector and take a shot um and that that helps with uh heavily backlit situations so um that that's those little hacks and um a few things that are also worth considering is when you're shooting prime lenses are a little bit sharper than zoom. There's less glass that you're working with, uh, less elements right. that get in the way. So you're always going to get a slightly sharper image if you use prime over zoom lenses. And if you're going to be investing money uh, in camera gear, think about investing more in the actual lens. A good lens could last you, uh, you know, up to 10 years, whereas a camera you might get two or three years out of. So the camera technology is constantly changing. The lens technology not so much. So if you want, you can you can get a, um, an entry level camera and use a, a higher end lens and get a great shot. But if you put a low end lens on a high end camera, you get not so great a shot. It's all about the lens. So think about investing in good lenses because you get to keep those for a long time. And we've talked about buying secondhand uh, higher-end lenses over brand-new lower-end lenses. I think it's a, a good way to go. Um, make make yeah, sure you definitely. clean your camera as well and clean your lens because that can also, like, you know, make your images uh, look out of focus. And then if you've got a lens that has an image stabilizer and you're shooting on a tripod, turn the image stabilizer off because you remember the image stabilizer, what it does is the little motor that um, sort of um, makes adjustments for tiny movements. And mm -hmm. so while that's on, it'll give like sort of camera shake uh, as well. So always make sure that that's uh, turned off. And we talked about checking the diopter is, uh, you yep. know, and check, check your eyes as well. All right. So sure. that's the autofocus Cucker zones. Um, now, <laughs> yes. I want to talk about how to improve uh, your focus uh, on DSLRs and mirrorless. So, the best way to get good focus with using uh, DSLR or mirrorless is to um, be in control of the AF system and, and not mm -hmm. just assume that the camera is going to know what to do because it's as good as the person who's driving it and it's got it's got amazing capabilities. Like it can track Bert. They're fantastic, Val. Hans, yes. to his credit, has done an amazing job and like knowing like what, how your autofocus system works and what the, how to change the autofocus from single to like you can change it from having one focus point, you can change it to be a cluster yep. of points is yep. so important to helping you um, get great focus. Now, there's a couple of, like there are people that, did you do the focus recompose technique? What do you mean? Which, which focus uh, recompose? Well, when you were learning, did you have yeah. like the focus point in the middle and were you taught to yep. focus on your point and then move the camera so that yeah, you Yeah, so basically what, what you're saying is if your person is to the left of the camera, you were taught to focus on them and then uh, while they were in the middle of yep. your frame and then move your frame so that they're on the left and then click the rest of the way. Yeah. 
Yeah. So those focus and recompose and even back button uh, focus are kind of outdated techniques uh, when you think about the technology that cameras have today. And they were developed yep. because, think about it, the sharpest point in the camera was in the middle because that's where it's got that in the cross, old days yeah in the old days because it's got that yep. cross focus and so you always want to be using that middle point so the work around was either you have your person smack dab in the middle you always shoot at like f16 or you know f11 f8 so that everything's sharp or yep. you use that focus recompose or like a newer version of that is using that back button focus but mm. There's better ways or you go to, uh, you know, um, you shoot manual mode if you want, but there are better ways to do it. So like what you can do is I think, and and this applies to all cameras, it's like there are so many different models of cameras. If we're going to get into it, like it'll take forever, but you want to, you want to get into the menu and work out a way to change from the center point of focus to a mode that allows you to either using a joystick or a wheel to change that point of focus and, and to yep. move it around. So uh, if you've got something like a, an entry level Nikon, you, you there's a little eye on the menu and so you select that and then you can select AF area mode and then from there you select single point AF and then you can use a joystick and you can toggle around to wherever it is on the on the screen, you know, through the viewfinder that you want to place your focus point. So you can have someone far off to the left or far off to the right or, you know, keep them in the middle. But you can move that around, okay? So just in case there are some listeners out there who aren't sure what um, Gina is talking about because I did not know this till Gina showed this to me, even though I had a very good camera and, you know, I, I had, yeah, I had all these features, but I didn't even know that um, uh, I, I was only using a 10% of the capability of the camera. So the important thing is that there are many uh, very experienced photographers who know exactly what what Gina's talking about. But if you're a newbie, we just want to make sure that um, that uh, we're clear. And that is when you're looking through your viewfinder and you have a whole series of dots or, or little squares, potentially, actually, on your screen, you may still be using the middle, the middle little square. But when you select... Um, single point AF through your menu. Um, when Jean is talking about a joystick or control wheel, chances are you've got like a like either some arrows or a control wheel. And if you actually spin that control wheel, you will find that the little red dot in the middle will progress, you know, to the right. It will move around, or, or you know, around the screen until it lands on the point where that that you want. So if your if the eye of your person is in say the top right of your frame, you move your control wheel until the the dot lands on the eye of that person, and then then that's the area that you want to focus on. So I just wanted to make that clear for the newbies who aren't sure what joystick you're talking about or what control wheel you're talking <laughs> just about. Like we're talking about like, planes now. Yeah, it's a joystick. <laughs> My plane doesn't have a joystick. <laughs> that was well done, Valerie, and. <laughs> 
And just to be clear, if you pick up your camera straight out of the box, it's not going to do it. It's important that you you yeah. need to go into your menu and yeah. activate uh, the single point AF. Otherwise, you're going to go. Well, mine doesn't work. Well, it, it because it's by default, it's set to uh, center point focus only. So you can yeah. activate that. All right. So. On a camera, there is a little uh, – on a Canon, there's a little um, – and, and importantly, your camera has to be in manual mode to be able to do this. That's an important thing as well. So if it's not, you can't change it either. So this is something that uh, you need to be shooting in manual mode to be able to change your autofocus point. So on a Canon, you want to be sending your camera to M. For manual mode and then you select the focus button and I've put the icon for what it looks like it's on the back of the the screen it's like a, a little white box and it's got four little squares little white squares in it that's your focus button so if you uh, click on that and then you can uh, straight away toggle your focus points around okay so yep. that's that's how you do it now there are different focus modes that you can uh, select as well. So you've got a choice of one shot uh, or continuous, which is AI servo on on a Canon, um, and and then there's uh, another one which is AI, which is uh, like a focus hybrid, which is one shot and continuous. So if you're using uh, one shot, that's generally for subjects that are not going to move. So you've got a person in front of you, it's a portrait shot, they're standing, they're static, or it's a building, something that's not going to move, one shot will do that. So the the camera focuses, it locks on, you take your photo. The continuous, you want to be using that if your subject is moving. So let's say you're uh, photographing uh, someone running towards you. What If you choose a uh, continuous focus, it'll you tell it where you want it to focus and it'll continue to refocus as that person's moving away from you. So it's really fantastic technology that does that. Yeah. The AI focus is like a combination of the two. So it decides for you. I don't use that at all because it's like you're letting the camera decide. And I think there can be mistakes made when you're using that. So, and we do that. Did I put in the show notes? I think I've linked to the episode on sharpshooter. Yeah. So episode yes. two, Hang on, which episode 30, Sharpshooter, we go into that, the, the different focus modes in a yep. lot of detail. So if you want a refresher, maybe go that to that one first and then come back to this one. But stay here now while you're with us. Don't go. <laughs> <laughs> you got this far. You may as well see it through to the end, hey? Um, <laughs> all right. So what you can also do is if you want to get a bit special and next level with your focus points is you can actually even fine tune further so like you can have different size focus points and this is really handy if you're shooting different subjects so something like in the in the Canon and Nikon and all the mirrorless cameras will have something similar there's something called spot AF so if imagine you're doing and I know that a lot of people love shooting their portraits with a really shallow depth of field so like you've got the 51 point 
eight or something like very, very shallow where if you do a, a portrait of someone and you're filling the frame with someone's face and you're focusing on the eyes, so, and it's definitely the 85 1.2 does this, if you focus on the outside of the eye, um, mm. it's not going to look sharp. You need to actually focus on the eyeball and if you're – if you're doing a very tight shot, your focus square is going to be so large that you can only actually put the focus box over the entire eye. And so right. you'll never, it'll be a struggle to get that the center point, the eyeball um, in focus because it's not, not going to be able to fit into that small space. So there's something mm. called spot AF where you can make that focus point much, much smaller. You can, can make it even like tiny, tiny, tiny. So if you're shooting really tight portraits, you could change that spot focus, fine tune it, make it a little dot that you just focus on the eyeball. So that's very handy when you're shooting really shallow depth of field. Uh, yeah. and so that's a really good one. And then you've got the 1.0 AF, which I reckon I use this for 80% of my portrait shoots just goes, I put the point over the eye and you know, job done, it'll it'll sh- give you a really sharp image. You can also expand the focus points. So tell the camera that we're not just going to use one focus point when you're focusing. I want you to put four together instead, which is really handy if you've got, say, um, a person that you're wanting to focus on, but they're off in the distance. So you want a sort of a larger target to to lock onto. You're giving yourself the option of having four focus points to lock onto them, which which makes it uh, a lot easier to get that focus. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. It makes sense. Yeah. And then, uh, and maybe birds in flight where like, if you had just a tiny little focus screen, uh, if you've got a a bird, uh, in flight, you you might miss, you'll get the bird, but you might get their wing instead of, uh, you know, like it's, it's too broad. So you want to have a a wider area because if they're moving really fast, it'd be harder to focus with a little, little screen. And then you can also select a really large AF point so that you can, easily lock onto fast moving subjects. So it might be a car that's uh, zipping past or, you know, someone on a bike so that you don't miss. You've got like a larger area and you can make sure that you lock onto them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yep. Totally. Makes sense. All right. So a couple more points. Uh, the back button focus, uh, I just have to talk about how much I hate it, Val. Okay, why do you hate the back button so much? Session. I feel like um, I felt like a <laughs> failure at first for not being able to adopt it, and I'm like, I don't. The back button. Like it. Yes, it doesn't okay. make sense to me, and that's because it's mm. useless to use this uh, focus and recompose technique, which is what back button focus allows you to do. Like you can lock your focus with the back button, recompose your shot, and shoot. But I've worked out that it's actually never been the way I shoot. I never use focus and recompose. I set my shot up, I move my focus point around, and then I go from there and I'll fine-tune my shot. And I'm usually shooting off a tripod, so it's not very helpful for for that sort of shooting. So Mm -hmm. it's 
accurate, but in those sorts of situations, it's not fantastic. And it's kind of a bit shite when you're using it for shallow depth of field. So I prefer personally to use, and I know that there are people that like once they go back, they never go back, you know. So (laughs) I've heard that about you. they, They love it. But it's not for me, okay? It's great <laughs> if you're a sports shooter and you shoot moving subjects or the other really fantastic thing, fantastic thing about back button focus is it also allows you to really quickly switch between shooting continuous and single shot without having to go into your menu and change the settings, which used to be really right. complicated. But that's changing as well because the 5D Mark IV allows me to do that with one button as well. So if you must then and if you've gotten used to it, it, the camera is kind of an extension of your arm really and you get Mm. to something, whatever whatever works basically. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just needed to explain. Okay, thank you. I hope you feel better now. I do. (laughs) Um, So that's – and there are like some cameras, many of the cameras will have a dedicated button for back button focus. If you want to try it, it's it's called either AEL or AFL, or there might be an asterisk uh, mm-hmm. and, or you can consign, you can actually configure it to uh, a, whatever button that you want to actually uh, use it. But just remember when you pull your camera out of the box for the very first time, the default setting yep. is the shutter is the focus as well. So um, that's, that's that. All right. So finally, Val, uh, before yes. we go, a uh, couple of things. If you still, if you're doing, if you've done all these things and mm. you're still not getting sharp focus, it might not be you and it might be a problem with the camera or a lens uh, error. So, um, there are lots of little tests that you can do and you can work out, well, maybe my camera is actually not focusing where it should be. It might be focusing in front or it might be focusing slightly behind the spot where I've set it. So, um, there's lots of little tests you can do. And what I want to do, Val, is rather than um, spending uh, a, a little bit of time talking about this is I want to get Wayne from the camera clinic back on oh, and yeah. do depth podcast with him about all these little things, all these little uh, tests that he's just like a super expert on that we can do ourselves at home to check uh, if our lenses are focusing correctly and little hacks that mm. you can do to correct that and, uh, you know, all sorts of other gear that he has. So we'll, we'll do great. that. That'd be great. Wayne was great. Yeah, Wayne was fantastic. So we will do that. So that hopefully uh, – has uh, demystified a little bit of the uh, sort of, you know, stuff around focusing. Yeah, absolutely. Very. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That was a deep dive for sure. And, um, yeah, we'd love to know what you think. Hope that you have found it useful and interesting. I know that there are some listeners who will be listening to it listening to it again and referring to some of the tips again um very very uh cool yeah so that brings us to the end of this week's episode what are you doing in the coming week gina (sighs) um okay Okay, that's a big sigh there (laughs) i've got like a million zillion uh images here that i'm processing i just i like a lot, Val. You? What do you okay. got on? 
<laughs> what am I got on? Oh gosh, so many things. Um, I've enrolled in a new course. And so I will be starting my new course. <laughs> what? 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 Spell? I've enrolled in a diploma of surface design. Not a diploma. Of course you have. I yes. feel inadequate now. I no, really do. Not. I need to enroll in a course. I'm going to do a course. You don't need to enroll yes, in a I course. Do. You I'm teach do, a course. I feel like I need to maybe learn, and I can't even say the word, so that's no good. I have a real struggle with the word nuclear, and I was going to say I want to be a <laughs> nuclear physicist, but I think it would help. It, okay. it would be no good rocking up to the course and you can't even say what you do. What do you do at a party? I'm a nuclear <laughs> physicist. It just doesn't <laughs> sound good, does it? Yeah, I'm going to be a rock scientist, Val. Yeah, I've just I've just uh, signed up for a Bachelor of Rocket Science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part time. I should be able to finish in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're not going to enrol in a course to become a nuclear physicist. You no. don't need to enrol in a course. You, yeah, I, I, you can obviously already. You are already teaching a course. You're teaching heaps of courses in photography, um, and I love them all. I just love learning. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I get it. I get it. It's amazing, Val. That's so exciting. I can't yeah, wait to fun. see what um, what I get for Christmas this year. Yeah, yeah. It's just it could right. be anything. It could be anything. <laughs> so where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. So that's across all social media. I think I'm most active on Instagram. So that's at ginamilitia. And if you want to connect with me in person and you are thinking of taking your photography to the next level, then I'd love to see you in the goal community. I love teaching there. Not a nuclear physicist, but I (laughs) teach photography. Photography and but she's I'm an having awesome a photographer. Having a ball teaching there. So come and join us there. What about yeah, you, Val? It's an awesome community. You'll uh, find me at Valerie Koo on Instagram mainly, but of course, feel free to connect with both of us in the podcast community. On Facebook, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. So many awesome photographers from all over the world. Um, And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. So thank you for joining us and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com. 